The views and opinions expressed by any hosts or guests of WJMS Radio do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to WJMS Radio or the show hosts whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Are we on the air? You're listening to WJMSRadio.com. Jam. This chick is a sick individual. You're tuned in to Sound Off with your girl Jams right here on WJMSRadio.com. There is no competition. What's up, everybody? It's Jams. So, normally right now I would be live for We Out Here Radio, but Tommy has fallen asleep, I would assume, which is typically what happens. Um, But either way, I decided to go live anyway because we're supposed to be talking about George Floyd and, you know, Amy Cooper and Breonna Taylor and all of the rest of everything that's going on in the country right now. And I really wanted to have this conversation. Um, I don't even, like, and the crazy part is I don't have anything mapped out in terms of what I want to say. This is just going to be purely an emotional conversation. And shout out to the folks that actually listen and and join me here. Appreciate it. Um, I was going to do Facebook Live too, but I don't think I can do Facebook Live and Instagram Live at the same time. At least I don't have enough devices to do so. So... I figured I'd do Instagram Live because I don't ever really do Instagram Live and I thought maybe this would be a good way to to do it. So anyway, um, yeah, so tonight me and Tommy were supposed to be talking about all of the things that are going on in the country and our emotions, our feelings, and actually how, you know, you can be a white ally. So I have a lot of friends um, in various different states, across the United States, in various different places. Um, and a lot of people are texting me, a lot of people are inboxing me, a lot of people are checking on me, mostly because they've seen the videos and the pictures that I put up from when I attended the protests out here in Savannah, um, but also just because, you know, they know I'm Black and they want to check in with me and make sure that I'm okay. And so they're all kind of looking to me like, what do you need? And I'm like, I think I speak for all of us in the Black community when I say, it's complicated. You know, but we need, we do need our white allies, but it's, it's, you know, not one of us can say, Hey, this is what you need to be doing. Like, it's one of those situational things where it's like, you do what you feel is, is best for your people and not your people, but like the folks that you're around and the folks that you talk to and stuff like that, you know, maybe you're surrounded by people that believe the same kind of things that the police believe, or, you know, you're surrounded by people that don't share the same vision as the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and it's, you know, sort of your responsibility to educate them and and voice your opinion and talk about why it matters and talk about you know how you feel you know like that's that's how you you become a white ally but um I want to talk about the protest for a minute because I went to one it was weird you know it's Saturday night I was tired (laughs) so tired I said to myself you know what I was like on Sunday I just want to like stay in the house like do a puzzle just chill. Like, I was like, I don't really want to do much of anything. I really just want to stay very low key and just relax for the whole entire day. And Sunday morning came around and I was like, I want to go to a protest. Like just out of the blue. I was like, 
and I, I want to go to a protest. I was like, I need to do something. And I realized I'm the media. Like I realized WJMS radio is the media. And so it's our job to report on what's happening and to, you know, make statements about what's happening and to give people a platform and a voice to talk about what's happening and what's going on. And I realized that's my role. You know, not everybody can be, you know, out there on the front line throwing bricks. That's not everybody's role. Not everyone's cut out for that. Um, you know, based on the jobs that we have, the things that we do, the communities that we're in and the, the people that we've surrounded ourselves with, you kind of segregate yourself into the, the positions that you play. And I play the media role. Um, but I just felt like it wasn't enough. I was like, it's not enough. You know, like it'd be different if I was live every single day, you know, or if I had hosts that were live every single day. And shout out to my hosts, they're doing their thing and they're they're coming forward with content and they're they're talking about it. But it's like, you know, our listenership is not super high. So it's just like, it's not enough. It's not enough. Um, so I was like, Sunday, I'm like, I want to go to a protest. So, and I realized I had to go by myself because Frank is on restrictions. So for those folks that don't know, Frank is in the army, um, active army, sergeant first class. And their commander, captain, he's going to kill me because I don't know who it is, but the big guy said, uh, yeah, no, y'all are not allowed downtown. You're not allowed on the beaches. You can't sit in at restaurants. Uh, you know, you can't go more than 200 miles off base. And if you do, these are the areas where you're not allowed to go. So they're like very strict on places where they can and can't go. Still, this, they're still not because of protests and things. This is all still because of COVID and whatnot. So he's still very much on restrictions. So I knew I'm like, I'm going by myself if I go to this protest. And I wasn't upset about it. I was like, I'm going, like, whatever. Um, so I was trying to find one. And the crazy part is there needs to be an app. And maybe there is. Somebody chime in and tell me if there's an app. Because I didn't know there was if there's an app or not. But I was like trying to find a protest in Savannah. And I'm like in Google, like protest in Savannah. Like, where can I join a protest? And I'm on Facebook hashtagging like Savannah protest. Like I'm looking for ways to protest and get involved. And I'm like, I know it's got to be something. And I happened to come across an article or a, a news story or whatever, like a news clip that said that the mayor was talking about protests that are supposed to be happening downtown on Sunday. And I was like, ah, perfect. Now what time is this thing supposed to be going down? Like really it'd be great if somebody listening out there could like create an app that like tells you where to protest. Like, hey, there's a protest happening in like, what state are you in? You're in Pennsylvania? Okay, cool. You can go down to like Broad and Erie and there's a protest happening there or whatever. Um, and it's happening at this time. Cause it's like, people want to get involved and you don't know where to go. You don't know what time. And it's like, it's very much unorganized. Um, but anyway, so I found it. I was like, okay, it's downtown. All right, bet. I was like, I'm gonna put on some clothes. I'm gonna get a mask and I'm gonna go. I was like, I should make a sign, but I was like, I don't want to waste any more time. It's already noon. I was like, I need to, they probably started already. I need to get up and get out and go. So I was like, no sign, just go. So I got up and I went and I'm driving, right? So, and the funny thing about Savannah, it's not huge. You know, where I'm at is not huge. It's not a long time to get downtown from where we live. It's like maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes, if that. And so I'm in the car and I'm driving and I'm driving through all these nice neighborhoods. And I'm driving through the nice neighborhoods and there's white couples and there's black couples and there's, you know, they're walking around, they're holding hands. The Georgia is open. So there's like, you know, thrift shops and places open and like, you know, kids are like skipping and walking down the street, you know, like kids are doing hula hoop in the park and there's like families having picnics in the park. And I'm like, like, where's the protest? Like, where's the, where's the outrage? And I, it was just crazy. Cause I'm like, I know Atlanta's turned the F up. Like I know Atlanta is turning out. Like, they are nuts over there. They're, they are protesting and rioting, and they are looting. Like, they are upset over in Atlanta. And I'm like, it is it is quiet. It's eerily quiet in Pleasantville in Savannah, Georgia. I'm like, something's wrong. Like, what is going on? So, anyway, just driving past all these parks and all these things. And it just, it just, that just stuck out to me. I don't even know why, but it just felt like, 
like two totally different worlds to see what's happening in Atlanta and to see all the protests and all the unrest and everything that's happening around the country. And then to drive through these neighborhoods where it's like, la la la, things are fine, sun is shining, kids are outside. And I'm like, <laughs> it just felt like something was lost in translation. You know what I mean? So anyway, so I find it's, it's funny. This is like the true story. So I'm driving, I get to like a light and I'm like looking because I knew it was in Johnson Square. I'm like, I looked online and it said the protest is in Johnson Square. I'm like, I don't know what time this thing starts, but I'm going to just show up and hopefully people are there so I can be a part of it. And so I, I'm like driving, I'm just about maybe a block away from Johnson Square and I start seeing people walking and I see them holding signs and I'm like, yeah, I'm on the right track. And so I'm like, all right, cool. So I like take a bang, a quick left turn. I'm like, I find a parking spot and I'm like, I'm going to hop out this car and I'm going to start following these people. So I park my car. In a, reg in a a business area, people are, again, outside, sitting at picnic tables, having breakfast and dinner and lunch or whatever you want to call it, brunch even. Um, like, you would never know that there was a protest a block over. Like, you'd never know because people are literally just hanging out like nothing happened. Um, so I get there, I park, I walk over, I get to the protest, and it's like, you can't miss it. It's a big old gathering of people. I'm like, here it is, my people. All right, bet, here we go. So I walk up and I happen to get there at like just the right time because it's like the mayor's up there and the mayor's making a speech. And he's talking about like, you know, the mayor's like, we su I support this protest. This is going to be a peaceful protest. He's like, I really don't want you guys rioting and looting and like destroying the city. He's like, that's not what Savannah is about. You know, everyone's been talking about doing peaceful protests. He's like, let's let Savannah be the example for that. You know, we don't want any violence. We don't want any incidents. You know, the police chief got up, spoke and said the same thing. The police were like, we respect your right to do this. We are here. You know, we want to keep you guys safe. We don't want any violence and stuff like that. They're like, we want you guys. We respect you guys. We want you guys to respect us. And it was cheers and everything was cool. And when I tell y'all it was a peaceful protest, it was a peaceful protest. Like, we all marched. I was by myself, and I was fine. I'm out there shouting. My throat was was raspy. I had to have walked no lies seven miles. Had to have been. Couldn't have been any less than that. Because by the time I was done, I felt like my feet were going to fall off. And we done walked. And I'm like, I remember driving past, and I was like, okay, yeah, we walked here. And at one point, I, like, put my GPS on, so I'm like, okay, where's my car? Because I feel like I know we need to be going this way, and we are walking this way. And I'm like, and I don't see us banging no lefts anytime soon. Um... So we were walking and we're protesting and it was it was just by and large really, really positive. And I remember feeling like, yeah, this felt it felt good to be there. It felt like, you know, there was a lot of solidarity. There was support. People were giving out water. Like if you didn't have water, there was people that would just pull up in their car and like pop their trunk and they'd hop out the car and just start tossing out waters and stuff and Gatorades to people. And it was amazing. And like even people on the walk, they're like, I got extra water. Does anybody need a water? And people are like, I need a water. And he's like, here you go. And it was it was just great. Um you know, and like they would start chants and people would finish, you know, and if people's voices started to get tired, because you can hear people's voices get tired when you're chanting, somebody would kick in and like pick up where they left off and people would continue. Um, but it was peaceful and it was nice. Now, mind you, I was vigilant because I'm like, all right, look, yes, I have lung cancer. I'm aware. Yes, COVID is out there. I'm aware. Yes, it's risky to be out here. I'm aware. But you know what? I have been to Walmart, Target, to the hair salon. I done been to all these other places. Like, listen, I'm okay. And if anybody is going to get this thing, if I got it, I would know immediately. Trust me. <laughs> the way my lungs are set up, I would know pretty quickly. Um, and so I was safe. I had my mask on. I kept my distance and stuff like that. But I was like, I'm going. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I can't sit this one out. I'm going. Um, and so we marched and we protested and we yelled and we you know, the mayor got up there and he spoke and we, we marched to City Hall and it was like we marched to the Civil Rights Museum. And it was 
the crazy part was we would march to these like important historical spots in the city and then we would stop and we would take like a moment of silence. It'd be maybe some, like first time we did a moment of silence, it was eight minutes and they made us kneel. They were like, if you can kneel, kneel for eight minutes. And I will tell you, I knelt for maybe three minutes and my knee was screaming. Like, and I'm not in bad shape and I don't have awful knees. Mind you, I lived through the percolator and I lived through all these other things, you know, like <laughs> I lived through those, those club songs where your knees was really tested. And, but like my knees aren't terrible. And so I knelt down on that ground for a minute and I had to switch knees. And then at one point I had to get down on both knees. And then it was like, I'm about to crouch. And I'm like, it wasn't eight minutes yet. So how this man knelt on another man's neck for eight minutes and looked, dare I say, comfortable while he was doing it is atrocious. It's absolutely unimaginable. It's disgusting. I don't know how the hell you do that. I couldn't kneel on the ground by myself for three minutes without feeling uncomfortable, without like, without needing to get up. I needed to get up. I was like, this is just uncomfortable. Like that man went out of his way to kill him. He went out of his way. I tell you, if you don't believe me, do me a favor, go outside your house, go into your backyard, go onto the sidewalk and kneel on one knee for five minutes and you come back and report to me how you feel. And it will disgust you when you think about what George Floyd went through under that man's knee. When you think about it, it's disgusting. And we did that several times. So we marched, we, we knelt at the main spot where we where we first started and then we walked to like the I think it was I think it was City Hall if I'm not mistaken the first place was City Hall we took another eight or nine seconds and we knelt again and you know then we got up and we started marching again we got to the um, police headquarters we stopped we knelt again and then we got up we marched again we went to the Civil Rights Museum we stopped we knelt again and we did this several times throughout the march. And every time we did it, it was more uncomfortable. And so to think about this man kneeling on another man's neck for eight minutes is disgusting. It's atrocious. It's heinous. It's awful. Like even in the most comfortable of circumstances, you can't kneel comfortably on one knee. And he was in police gear, no less, which means he had a gun on his hip. He had a baton, he had the tasery thing. He had all that that stuff that police carry. It's not light. He had the whole like police little tool belt. It's not light. And he knelt like that for eight minutes on that man's neck. And the ground is hot and the cement is rough and it's unforgiving. And I can't imagine what that man went through because in the, the couple of times that I had to kneel during this march and this protest, I damn near wanted to cry because I was just like, how do you do this to somebody? How do, you, how do you stand here and kneel on somebody's neck? And to that Asian police officer, how do you stand there for eight minutes and let it happen? It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And like, I remember, I just remember feeling like, wow, wow. The amount of, the amount of hate that has to be in somebody's heart to just kneel on a neck. You know, and I'm telling you, like, I swear to goodness, if you guys don't understand, go kneel, go outside and take a knee and stand there and sit there like that for five minutes, not even eight minutes, for five minutes. I promise you, you will feel a level of disgust for what this man did that is 
unheard of. It was just like, what the F? You know, and it, it just like it boiled my blood. Um, and it, it boiled my blood when I first saw the video. The first time I watched that video of him kneeling on George Floyd's neck, the only thing I wanted to do was run into that video and, and ninja kick that police officer. I didn't care if I got tased, whatever. It was just like, somebody jump off the curb. Somebody make a sudden move. And the police officers are going to back up. And he's going to get off his neck. You know, I'm like, if everybody's standing there, there had to be a crowd of five, six, seven people or whatever standing there. The one lady who was recording at one point, a, a firefighter showed up. If all of you guys linked arms, band together and stepped off that sidewalk, they'd have backed up. They'd have been like, hey, whoa, back up. But they would have backed up. And I'm like, it's it's to the point now where we've been recording this and talking about it. We've been hashtagging it. We've been tweeting it. We've been live live watching this stuff happen for years and it hasn't stopped it hasn't gotten better it hasn't done much of anything you know and it keeps on happening it's it's we're past we're past this point now like we're we're past the point of just recording it thinking that justice is going to come to you you can't get justice from a system that wasn't built for you like we're past this point it's come to the point now where bystander intervention needs to happen like when we as a group see this happening, we need to be like, okay, you know what? Some of us are going to get hurt. Some of us may even lose our lives. And crazy as this may sound, this is where we are. Crazy as it may sound, we are at that point where it's like, okay, they can't get all of us. Step off the curb. Make a move. Do something. They could have done a citizen's arrest. Yes, thanks, Van. There's a lot of things that could have happened, but standing there and just screaming, come on, bro. He can't breathe, bro. We're past that point now. We're past that point now. They have shown that they don't care. They've shown they don't care. It's apparent they don't care. And after kneeling for eight minutes and seeing what it felt like, there's a level of not caring there that is strong. So it's like, it's we're past the point of recording this on a cell phone now. We're at the point now where bystander intervention needs to happen. We need a citizen's arrest. The one thing I really feel deep down inside is that we're lacking leadership. You know, the one thing I will say the civil rights movement had is they had leaders, leaders that stood out and were leaders. Like when you think of the civil rights movement, who do you think about? You think of Malcolm X, you think of the Black Panther Party, you think of Martin Luther King, you know, you think of all of these people that took a stand and that were leaders. We don't really have that. Like if you were to ask me right now, like who's a leader in the Black, in the Black Lives Matter movement? I'm sorry. I can't really name anybody. I know friends of mine who are super activists. I know friends of mine who are super leaders, but we don't have that figurehead that is recognized as the leader of this movement. The person that we look to to say, okay, now what? The person that we look to to say, what next? We don't have that person. And so I feel like we're doing all of this marching and we're doing all this protesting and we're doing all of these things. And then like, I got home that night and like all I wanted to do was eat a plate of food and like go to sleep, I was tired. You know, but I was like, okay, but what next? Like, what's the next step? You know, like we protested. Do we just wait? Is it like one of those things where you protest and it's like you sit outside by your mailbox and you just wait for justice to come and get delivered to you? Or like, what's the next step? You know, like there needs to be that leader that says, okay, we did this protest. Now, after this protest, we're calling a meeting with, you know, city councilors and senators. We, we're, we're pulling our seats at the table and we're going to sit and we're going to talk about it because legislation needs to be made. Now, I will say this. The Savannah mayor did get up there and say exactly what I'm saying. He did say that this is the first moment. The march is the first moment. You know, tomorrow is the movement. You know, like this is a moment, 
the movement is what happens after the march. So he was talking about like the things that they plan to do and they're talking about making a task force to examine the discrepancies across the board um, in terms of their policing and stuff like that, which is great. Um, and it's exciting to hear that kind of stuff. But it was one, one mayor out of how many countless mayors across the city, across the country, I mean, you know, like there needs to be that next step. There needs to be that leader that says, okay, I'm calling a meeting, like a, a, a United Nations round table of, of city councilors, and we're going to talk about legislation and we're going to get things done. Like that's the part of this thing that's missing. Missing. So it's like, we have these situations where black men, black women, unarmed citizens are getting killed by the police and all we're doing is recording it and then we get angry and then we protest and then somebody goes to jail and we're like, oh, yeah, that person went to jail. And then we, we live in La La Land for a couple weeks and then it happens again and we're like, oh, you know, and it's like, no, because we're missing critical steps to change the system. We're not changing the system. We're just reacting to the things that are happening. You got to fix the foundation and you can't do that by just protesting and, and getting angry after it happens. It's reactionary. You got to be proactive and not reactive. And right now we're being reactive and we're not fixing the issue. We're putting band-aids on a broken arm. It's not fixing it and it's not healing itself either. It needs medical attention. Like our, our justice system needs medical attention. It needs a friggin' 300 cc's of whatever the hell and shock that shit back to life. Like it needs, it needs a redo. Um, and I think that's where we are. And, and being at that protest and finishing the protest and coming back and realizing like, now what the hell do I do is when like I realized that we're missing that like there's a step that's missing you know and people are talking about oh the looters and the and the rioters they're they're selfish and they're they're doing this that and the third and it's like you know while I don't agree with all of the methods I agree tear the shit down <laughs> people are angry now tear down your neighborhood not so much tear down a police station blow up a police car Damage the foundation of the system. Don't damage the people that are just as hurt by the system as you. Yeah, those people have insurance. Yeah, those businesses are going to recover. But these are our neighborhoods. These are our mom and pop stores. These are the stores that we grew up in, going, going to. These are the people that have, you know, looked the other way when we didn't have the full dollar to buy what we wanted. These are the people that have gave our parents bread and cheese and whatever when we were struggling on hard times. And yeah, they're understanding because they realize that people are mad. People are pissed and they're boiling up, but it's like, okay, don't cut off your nose despite your face. You know, don't destroy your communities. If anything, you want to make a big impact, take yourself up to the white gated communities. Take yourself there where the people watch what you're doing from the safety and comfort of their home, where they're watching television with their family, where they're safe because they have security guards. You gotta, you have to bring the destruction to the places where they don't see it. You know, they can drive past our black neighborhoods and be like, oh damn, they blew up a Target. Or, oh man, look at that that bodega that got destroyed in New York. And they're gonna go, man, those animals. But you go to a white neighborhood and you blow up a knitting shop, <laughs> it's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be a national disaster, all right? Like you need to blow up the places that matter. You need to riot and loot in the areas that they're gonna feel it. They don't care about our neighborhoods. They don't care about the black community. They don't care about the hood. They don't care. Like blow up the hood. Shoot. They do that. Black Wall Street. Shoot. the Like they do it all the time. They don't care. You got to blow up the areas that they do care about. You know, you got to bring the fight home, not literally to your home, but you got to bring it home to where it started from. 
you know, go, go right in front of the police house, you know, do that kind of stuff. That's where it matters. That's where they're going to be upset. That's where they're going to be, you know, really, really concerned. You know, you start blowing up like Starbucks, it's going to be some Beckys that are pissed. You know, you're going to make some waves. You're going to have some issues. But the problem is y'all aren't blowing up Starbucks. You're blowing up, you know, the, the mom and pop store on the corner and you're taking the Doritos and the tackies and stuff like that. Like, come on, come on. You know, if you're going to fight, fight correctly. That's like, that's like getting beat up in the street. You, you're out in the street, you get beat up and jumped by a whole bunch of people. So you go home and kick your dog. Why are you bringing that home with you? Your home, like your dog didn't do nothing to you. So you're going to go home and kick your dog because you got beat up by strangers in the street. No, you go back and you retaliate in the street where you got hit. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it's baffling to me. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't agree with the looters and the protesters and all that stuff. When you've been disenfranchised by a system for your entire life and you've done all of the things that they told you to do, you've peacefully protested, you've angrily protested, you've worn body cams, you've gotten dash cam footage, you've done the right things, and you constantly and constantly and constantly get disenfranchised by the same system, you're going to get pissed. You're going to get, you're going to destroy things. I understand that. I sympathize with that. Shoot, I want to do that. You know, like I'm all for it. I'm like, you know what? You have every right to burn down. I saw a meme. It was like, you have every right to burn down a country that you built for free. Like every right to burn down a country that you built for free. And it's like one of those things where you just need to burn down the right places first. <laughs> it's like, y'all are not dismantling the patriarchy by blowing up your neighborhood bodega. You're not making a difference here. You know, like Target's going to rebuild. Like Target's straight. Like they're not really concerned. Like the little bulldog is going to be all right. But like, if you go to these neighborhoods, these white neighborhoods where they're watching the stuff from their gated communities and you do some damage there, you're going to have a bigger impact. The white people are going to be afraid. <laughs> you know, like right now they can watch it from the safety of their homes and they're good. Um, but it's just one of those things where, you know, the response is not always a hundred percent, but it's, it's honest and it's gritting and it's grueling and it's, it's real. You know, people are being real. They're angry and you can't be upset with people for lashing out at a system that wasn't designed to protect them and that they pretend like is supposed to protect them. You know, like everybody's like, Oh, let the justice system handle it, you know, or like it took them however long to arrest the officers that killed Ahmaud Aubrey. Like they only got arrested because they'll like, don't get it twisted. They didn't get arrested because there was video. They got arrested because they, the video got released. They didn't care about the video. When we saw the video, they were like, oh shoot. All right, let's, um, let's get the officers and bring them in. They didn't give a damn. They didn't give a damn. Ahmaud died in like February. We didn't hear about that till April, April. And like, where's his family? If I, like, yo, I'm live every day on Facebook. Y'all, seriously, this is real talk. If I ever get killed by the police, if I anything like that ever happens to me, y'all better riot. Y'all better loot. Y'all better blow this country, burn this shit to the ground. Because you know I didn't do it. You know I didn't deserve it. Like, come on now. You know, like, I swear y'all better avenge me. You better avenge me. And don't turn me into no hashtag, you know, no trending topic. Like, just burn it to the ground burn it to the ground for real for real um but shout out to the people that are watching right now i just needed to go off on a rant for a minute i'm gonna get to everybody who's commenting uh what did stan say stan said how do we do a citizen's arrest yeah that's a good question but i know it starts with more than just recording it on your cell phone um 
Should we have a singular leader? Or should we be decentralized and rely on ourselves? See, that's the thing, Stan. We've been decentralized for so long and relying on ourselves for so long. That's the missing part. That's the missing part of, you know, the the system. You know, we, we get angry, we protest, we riot, but there's no follow-up. So people go home after the riot and after everything's all done and it's like, I rioted, like nothing happened. What am I supposed to do now? You got to have that leader who's like, okay, you know, like there should have been a leader in the wake of everything. Like Philly is turned the F up. Y'all really out there doing it in Philly. There should be somebody in Philly or like even if like Black Lives Matter had like every branch in the United States or every state in the United States should have a Black Lives Matter leader. And those leaders should be coming together and discussing what's happening in their city. The person in Atlanta should be talking about Philly. The person in Philly should be talking about Atlanta. And there needs to be a collaboration to say, okay, so here's where we are. This is what we're going to do. We need to call meetings with our leadership and stuff like that. And like maybe there doesn't need to be one singular person, but there needs to be a leadership thing in place that's making, because us as citizens, we can do it. But like everyone's like, no, are you going to do it? Oh, I thought you was going to. Are you going to? Are you going to? Uh, oh, I thought you was going to. You didn't. You know, everybody's doing the double dutch dance, like, should I jump in? Should I not jump in? Should I jump in? Should I not jump in? But it's like somebody needs to be that person, like, or people need to be that, that those people to set up and set up coalitions to say, okay, you know, we rioted in Philly. We destroyed these things in Philly. Let's talk about how we help rebuild, clean up, fix, but also how we address the system, you know? Same thing in Atlanta, okay? We rioted, we destroyed. Let's talk about how we put together a coalition to come together and fix it. But let's also talk about the system, you know? And then those leaders from the Black Lives Matter, you know, across the United States should be coming together to talk about this as a whole. And then that group of people should be meeting with legislation, with officials, with higher-ups. And that's how we make things happen. Because right now we look like a bunch of toddlers lashing out at our parents because we're mad about something. You know, we need that follow-up and we need that next step because people are angry and they're hurt and they don't know what to do. And by and large, like we're, we're in the society of, you know, social media and internet and Google and everybody's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to Google what to do. I'm going to look up what to do. I'm going to look it up. And it's like you go out, you do this protest and you write and, you, and then you come home and you're like, okay, what to do after I protest? And it's like nothing, you know, because there's nothing there. So there needs to be that coalition in place and there needs to be people that that lead this movement because, you know, the civil rights movement didn't just happen and it wasn't a bunch of people sporadically making change. You know, it was led. It was led by people. There were leaders in place. And that's how things happened because there was people to talk to and there was representatives to speak to. And that's the other thing, you know, without having leadership, people that are at these riots and at these loot or at these protests who are not there for the right reasons or there are let's be honest there are people who are there like oh i'm about to get this 40 inch flat screen you know there are people who are in this for themselves like screw it but there are also people that are just genuinely angry and lashing out you know and those people that are there for themselves and that are not there for the real reasons are unfortunately representing representing the black lives matter movement and everything that we're working for in a bad light you know it sounds like you know sort of like the cops um, and so it's one of those things where without leadership to, to denounce those people or without leadership to really say they don't represent us, or this is a party separate to what we're doing, or they're not, or, you know, even a, the leadership will come to them and be like, that wasn't in the agenda. <laughs> you know, like the leadership would, would be talking about that and tackling that kind of stuff to make sure that the image of Black Lives Matter is, is, remains impeccable, you know, and remains to be what it is. Like right now, 
everybody else and the media is controlling the narrative and the black lives matter people should be controlling the narrative of their of their organization that's what needs to be happening because when you let other people control your narrative they can say whatever they want about you and there's nobody to tell them otherwise and so one person who decides to lash out and go nuts at a, at a protest now becomes representative of the Black Lives Matter movement. And now every time that happens, we lose a little bit of steam and a little bit of steam and a little bit of support and a little bit more support and stuff like that. And it just, it doesn't work. So leadership needs to be in place. And I'm not sure who Pastor Carl Day is, um, uh, Jeremiah, but you know, I'd love to chat with the guy and see what's going on or, or follow up. So I'll, I'll probably follow him when I'm done talking to you and see what's going on. But it's, you know, it's just, I'm just tired, y'all. And I'm sick of being tired. I'm so sick of being tired. Like, the crazy part is, I'm like, send me back to Africa. Africa's dope. Like, the Africa that they be portraying online ain't the Africa in real life. Like, have y'all seen South Africa in real life? Like, that's like a legitimate Wakanda. Like, I mean, obviously Wakanda's fake. But like, South Africa is amazing. I'm like, send me back to Africa. What are we tripping over the United States for? Like, this is what we bugging over? like send me back like shoot where my where my bags at <laughs> you know like send me home I don't even care at this point like I'm so ready and it's it's one of those things where you're just like why are we y'all can have this little raggedy country I don't even care like <laughs> I'm out <laughs> I'm out of here you know so it's one of those one of those things where you're like are we really fighting for this like for for raggedy raggedy stuff that they don't even want us to have you can add this like let me go get something new i'm a new phone who this like new country who this i'm out you know so i don't know i just wanted to come on here i know tommy fell asleep and kind of left me in a lurch but you know i just wanted to come out and i felt like i needed to to voice my opinion because i hadn't actually spoken about my experience at the protest that i went to out here in savannah um and i wanted to talk about it and kind of get it on record and, and talk to you guys and you know, mental health check and check in and see how you guys feel. Like, I feel like we all just need a break. We all just need to breathe, you know, like, and it's ironic as it may be, we all just need to breathe when George Floyd couldn't breathe. Um, but the country can't breathe now, you know, like now none of us can breathe. Like we're all kind of just gasping for air at this point. And I think we all really just need, the United States needs a Snickers. <laughs> it really does. Um, but so I want to jump into this, this white ally thing. Cause I, like I said, I have a lot of white friends that are like, how can we support you? And I'm like, why am I the one you're asking? Like, I don't know. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I saw this, this thing I posted today, I reshared it. Um, get familiar with the history because the history that you guys have been educated on, I mean, and us as well, you know, most of us don't even know our real history. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're taught the same history you guys are taught in school. And unless we elect, because it is an elective, to dive deeper in and, and go down the rabbit hole a little bit more and really look for the truth of what our history is, a lot of us don't know it. Um, and I think that that's the first thing is understanding. Because when you start to break down the history behind where we are and why, because we didn't just get here. We didn't just wake up here in this situation, in, in this race race that we're in right now. You know, like we exactly right. Yeah. You know, like a social studies textbook, you know, most of the stuff in there was wrong. <laughs> so it's like uh, if we just really start to break down the history behind how we got to where we are, it would blow your mind. You would be like, it's like once you like that's getting woke, like people who are woke are like, oh, I'm woke. 
But like, that's really woke. When you truly know the history and you know why, you know, the prison industrial system is the way it is, when you know why housing is the way it is and redlining, you know, environmental justice ties into all this kind of stuff. When you start to really break down what's happening with everything, that's when you start to become an ally because you start to see the BS all around you and you're like, wait a, wait a minute. No. All right. You start to see it all and you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I read about this. Nope. I read about this. This is a lie. You know, and it's, you start to talk to people about it and you start to educate your friends. And my thing is, if one person starts telling another person and starts educating another person, that's all we need is to start doing this kind of stuff. And now, mind you, you got the older generation who's very much still alive and they're the racists. They're the ones that be like, you know, like, listen, like D-Ray Davis, if you guys haven't seen the How to Act Black stand up with D-Ray Davis, he talks about it. You got that racist grandma, grandpa that's like, get this white chick out my house. You know, like that's that's ingrained. You know, like that's 80, 90 years ingrained and they ain't got that much time left for you to try and train them otherwise. Um, but what you can do is you can try to make sure your parents and your friends and the people you surround yourself with are smarter than that. You know, like you can try and fix the people that you surround yourself with. Your grandparents, I don't want to say they're a lost cause, but most of them are a lost cause. They, they done been through some things. They done seen some things. They done did some things. And it's just like, let grandpa be grandpa. We just, you just keep him in the house. You just, you, you just don't talk to him. You leave him alone. You know, but like your mom and dad, now nah, we could fix mom and dad. You know, mom and dad is easy fix. Um, and, and brother, sister, easy fix. Friends, easy fix. That's just conversation. That's conversation and education. And that's how you become an ally. You, you show people where they're wrong and you tell them where they're wrong and you get ready to have uncomfortable conversations. That's being an ally because fixing people is uncomfortable. And challenging what people believe about race is super uncomfortable. Like, why do you, why do you think that is? Like, let's talk about why you think that all black people are criminals. Let's break that down, shall we? It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's gonna be uncomfortable. And so when you're ready to have those uncomfortable conversations, you're ready to be an ally because that means you're ready to challenge what people believe and educate them to the right way. Now, when you challenge them, you need to be educated on what you're talking about. Don't just come with some half behind, you know, story about whatever, you know, you need to know the facts, you need to know the research. And if you can't, you need to be able to, to throw a book at them like, read this, this is white fragility, read this. This is, you know, the story of Fred Hampton, read this. There's a lot of things that you should be, that you should read and know about before you start having these conversations because a well-versed racist is gonna out-talk you. But a well-educated person can see around that, you know, but you have to be a well-educated person. So my thing is, to be a white ally, stop asking your black friends what they need. That's that's like for those folks that went to predominantly white institutions like myself and you're used to being one of the only in a class and somebody is like, hey, you know, how do black people feel about reparations? And you're like, the like, how, what? <laughs> you know, like it, it comes at you from left field and you're like, I, what, since when do I speak for the entire black delegation? Like, I'm sorry, you know what I mean? Like, but you get put into that point and it's like, you, you, I sympathize because they don't know what, you guys don't know what to do. You don't know how to help and you want to help and it's genuine and I love you guys for that. But it's like one of those questions that you hate to get. You're like, oh, please don't ask me that. Like, I, I don't know, like go read a textbook or something and tell me some facts. It's hard. It's hard to say, you know, but I, I just tell folks to keep on educating and keep on being you know, resources to the people that they are. Because most of the people, I, I try not to surround myself with closed-minded individuals. I try to surround myself with 
smart people and people that are able to have a conversation and change their minds based on new information because that's intelligence. Um, but I, I try to keep people around me like that with, with positive energy and who understand what's going on and who aren't just selling you a dream or not trying to profit off black culture and, you know, it is what it is. Um, and so most of them are genuine. When they slide in my DMs and they're like, yo, how do I help? I'm like, oh, I know I love you so much. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I'm so happy you said that to me, but I don't know what to answer the question with. Um, it's nice. It's nice that they, that they want to do that. But I did see this one thing online that was like, you know, a band of white protesters blocked a band of black protesters from the police. So it was like police here, white line of protesters here, black protesters behind them. And it was like, it was beautiful. Like that's how you use your privilege. That's what you do. That's being an ally. That's, that's, you know, marching alongside of us. Yes, but that's protecting us when things like that are happening. Like that's important. It's so important. Um, and it's, it's, I think being a black or a black ally, you know, a white ally right now in racial times is raising your damn kids to not be racist. Like, can we start with that? Like, raise your kids to not have prejudices. Raise your kids to see people as people and not colors. That's what you got to do. You know, like, it's, it's one of those things where you don't just, you know, grow up racist. Like, it's taught. Stop teaching your kids that. Stop teaching your kids stereotypes. Stop teaching your kids to, to, you know, prejudice people based on different things. Like, teach, like, if you see, little kids will play with anybody. Little kids will play with turtles. Like, they don't care. Like, they're literally like, oh, cool, a turtle. Like, they don't care what color your skin is. They don't care what you look like. Like, if you got fruit snacks and, and jelly beans, like, you're good to go. Like, you're best friends forever. That's how I met my best friend. Like, <laughs> met on the swing set. Best friends ever since. Like, you don't see color like that when you're a little kid. That is taught. It's taught to you. Stop teaching your kids that. That's how you become an ally. That's how you, you form allies. That's how you make allies. Like, let's make them. Like, let's have kids that aren't racist. <laughs> it's like, it's a novel idea. Let's stop training our kids to be racist against people, you know, or stop, you know, letting our kids. I mean, it's hard to do that. That's hard. Let me take that one back. It's hard to, to not, you know live in your privilege like when you're when you're white living in america it's just kind of thrown at you a little bit like there's not much you can do about it you just excel because you're white like there's nothing you can really do to fix that but it's like acknowledging it knowing that that's what's happening and why you know and and trying to do your best to not <laughs> exploit that if at all possible um but other ways you can help is like it's just just being by our sides while we're fighting, you know, and, and being there for the good fight and, and speaking up when you see stuff online. I know like nobody wants to get in Twitter beefs and nobody wants to get in Facebook fights and like, it's just exhausting. And lately social media has been a drain. Um, and I've been trying to kind of stay off it a little bit cause it's like PTSD and traumatic and awful. And every time I turn on somebody else is dead and I'm, I'm just over it. Um, but have the conversations challenge people and challenge your friends when they're wrong don't just delete them that's the thing that drives me crazy is when people are like i just deleted and blocked like eight two people because they were racist i'm like did you talk to them about it first or did you just delete them and let them be racist like <laughs> that doesn't help the situation you just you just got rid of one possible person who could educate this person in their lives you know i get it some people are just blatantly racist and it's like i don't know how you snuck in here but you need to exit stage left but it's like some people can be talked to and it's like before you delete them Maybe speak to them, you know, maybe, maybe let them know what's going on before you just delete. Cause it's like, now you just deleted them and got rid of the conflict. Like you didn't, you're again, putting a bandaid on a broken arm because now 
you know, you've deleted them so they don't have to see your posts anymore and have to think about their privilege or think about what's going on. They can just continue being racist in their happy little world and don't have to worry about anything. Um, so that kind of stuff drives me crazy. While I'm like, yes, you know, delete them. They're jerks. They suck. I'm also like, but educate them first before they go. Like, you know, like give them a stern talking to and then give them a swift kick in the ass on the way out the door. You know, that type stuff. Um, and it's like, it's just the conversations. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. It's like, be ready to have the awkward conversations and the uncomfortable conversations with your parents, your friends, your siblings, your coworkers, your significant others, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like you, you heard about George Floyd, not George Floyd, um, what's his name? Derek Chauvin, like whatever, Derek Chauvinistic. <laughs> That's what I thought about. But anyway, his wife is uh, divorcing him you know, because of all this stuff going on. And I'm like, good for you, girl. I would too. Like, oh, I just found out my husband is a super racist. I got to go. Like, <laughs> uh, pack my stuff. I'll take that to go. Let's wrap this up. Okay, I'm out. Like, I, this didn't come out in the vows. Like, I'm sorry. To having to hold him through racist is not a, is not a vow for me. Um, so, like, kudos to her. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, if he, he had to have been a jerk before that. So I wonder had there not been red flags before you went down the aisle with him. But in, in any case, you know, it's hindsight 2020 and all. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's like one of those things where just educating the people around you is important. That's all I can say. You know, I don't know how to tell you to, to hop into a protest and do all that kind of stuff. Not everybody built for that. Not everybody's about that protest life. So people are pregnant. Heard about this. Uh, Frank was telling me about this one lady who protested got shot with a beanbag and in her stomach and she's pregnant. Why why are you why are you out here protesting if you're pregnant? Like I, I think that there are, are some waivers for some folks. Like you can sit this one out. It's okay. You're pregnant. Like you're with child. Like you don't know what the hell is gonna happen at a protest. Like even me, like yeah, I know it was risky as hell for me to go out there, but I'm like, all right, the moment I see smoke or see something crazy, I'm flojo. Like I'm gone. But like you're pregnant. Like, you don't, you don't, that's why you don't see little kids at marches. Like, I mean, you do sometimes, sometimes, but like, you don't see babies. No one's, no one's nursing a baby at a march. Like, if you're pregnant, you stay home. You know, like we, 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 you know, you're there in solidarity. We got you, you know, like we, we know you're there, but like yourself and the baby should be home. And as your husband or your boyfriend or whatever, I wouldn't even let you go. Like you, you want to go where with my child? Like, uh -mm, mm -mm. how about I go and you stay home? Like, come on now. Um... But it's, it's, yeah, like not everybody's built for the March life. Not everybody's built for the protest life, but people want to get involved. So it's having the conversations. It's, you know, not frequenting places that support the system. Um, and that means I'm, I'm saying goodbye <laughs> to my Taco Bell and my Pizza Hut. Moment of silence for the loss of my favorite fast food places. Oh. <laughs> you know but if they're gonna support the the madness like i i can't support you like i'm not giving money to the people that oppress me like and i know it's a rabbit hole because if you've got a 401k and you know literally the fingers and everything honestly like it's hard to not support like you'd have to be amish to not support you know something that you disagree with like and everything's so sneaky like you don't know that like people are funneling money from their organizations into the, like, you know, Trump campaigns and racist campaigns and KKK rallies and things like that. You don't know about it until it's like up in your face and it's like, ah, oh, damn, like now I got to pull all my stuff out of this thing, you know, or I, I was about to get this big and double cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Like you don't know about it until it's in your face. Everything is so sneaky nowadays. So it's hard to like really jump down that rabbit hole unless you're really ready to just cut all your ties and live off the land um, and just jump off the grid. Um, 
But it's like, you know, try to stop supporting those things that are racist. Like H&M put out racist stuff and people were still shopping at they stole. Like, oh, but they having a sale tomorrow. And like, of course they having a sale. They're in trouble. Like, like, yes, I'd have a sale too if I was in trouble. Like, hey, look, I know I effed up. Everything is 50% off. Like, come on in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on now. Um, but it's like, stop shopping at these places, stop ignoring the racism because you want to, to go to, you know, whatever, <laughs> like Benihana. I don't even know if Benihana is a thing. I just threw it out there. But like, you got to stop supporting the businesses that support the systems that oppress people. You know, that's the work. That's the hard part. The hard part is getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that are different. You want to be an ally, support a black business and treat that black business the way you do the white businesses because we are hard as hell on black businesses. Like let a black business be late to respond to an email. Lord have mercy, you're never going to shop there again. Meanwhile, have you ever gotten a timely response from any customer service at any other store? No. So it's like, why do we put black people on this pedestal? Like you better be like the best top notch uh, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, you don't even get that kind of service from Walmart and they're like everywhere. Like, chill out, you know, like, can it, can assist to live? Like usually these small black owned businesses are running on like one to two people. Like Walmart has millions of people and they can't even answer an email. Why am I held to such a standard? Like, you know, like, <laughs> um, but it's, it's one of those things where the work is having the conversations. The work is stopping your patronage of the places that support the oppression your, the work is standing outside and, pro and protesting and marching with us, possibly protecting us if something like that happens. You know, the work is being able to to realize the error in what you're doing and pivot. You know, it, it starts from within. Reflect on what you're doing and make sure that what you're doing is supportive of us, you know, if, if that's what you truly want to do. Um, and if you're not, you know, the things that you can change, change them, switch them, fix it. You know, show that you're, show your support. You know, it's more than just, you know, retweeting hashtags and, and turning your profile picture black and support, like really support. Like they sent this whole email that was like, you know, 4th of July, no cookouts, don't wear red, white, and blue, wear all black, you know, no celebrations, no shopping. And I bet you, I'm still going to smell barbecues all around. I bet you I'm still going to see flags wave and I'm still going to see all these things. Like if you truly want to support, fully support. You know, and that goes not just for white folks, that goes for us too. Like, I'm so tired of seeing people like, you know, it's it's a whole lot of us that are riding the bus with, with Rosa Parks that are like, I still got to get to work. Like, bruh, like, <laughs> you know, like, come on, support the movement a little bit, like miss our day. It's it's one of those things where like the work is is being uncomfortable and having uncomfortable conversations and challenging your status quo. Simple as that. Simple as that. If you're profiting off your privilege, Call it out, fix it. If you are enabling people to profit off the privilege, fix it. If you're raising racist kids, stop it. You know, like it's, I mean, honestly, it's not rocket science. Just be better people as much as you can. If you're not a bad person, then, you know, continue being a good person. But you know what I mean? Like it, it just fix your is like fix your ish. That's how you be an ally, whether you're black, white, brown, purple, yellow, green, or blue, like, be better. Just do better. Do better. <laughs> um, but I appreciate everybody. Like, yeah, I appreciate everybody chiming in. So Sinead checks in. I got the list of restaurants that are now not for our dollars. Yeah, girl, it's a lot of them. It's a lot of them. I'm just like, some of them I'm cool with. You know, Wendy's, I don't eat Wendy's anyway, because they got square burgers and circle buns, and I ain't all about that. Um, just ain't right. It ain't, <laughs> it ain't constitutional. Um, 
some of those were hurt. Some of those hurt, man. Like, oh, I miss you, Pizza Hut. Dang, I like Pizza Hut. I know what I'm saying is like, look, man, some of my stories better just, just act right. Like, you better act right. Don't do nothing stupid. So help me if I got to stop getting like the stuff I really like. If I got to start doing this work, I'm going to be really mad about it. <laughs> You know, but anyway, I just wanted to chime in and, and talk about how I felt about the protest, you know, how to be a black or a white ally in this this time and age, um, you know, and, and how we, we make change, like, and what we do. We really need leadership, though. We're, I really stand by that, like, entire thing. Leisha, I'll get you the list. I'll get you the list. It's a list. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, you know... And then I think they like doubled down too. Like I feel like somebody called them out on it for doing it and they like doubled down. They're like, oh, here's 200,000 or something crazy. Like, Was that it? Or am I tripping? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening tonight. You know, drop a comment. Um, let me know what you think. I know I'm a little radical every now and then, but sometimes you need some radical beliefs. You know, sometimes it's like, I'm not, you know, pussyfooting around this stuff. Like you need to blow up some cop cars. Like it's time to, it's time to do some damage. Um, they're going to censor the hell out of me for this. Like, watch all of a sudden I'm going to be, if I go missing y'all, avenge me. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm going to let y'all go. Stay safe out there. Try to take some breaks from social media and from like, from all this stuff. Like, honestly, black folks, this, this is traumatic. I know you don't think it is, but it, it weighs on your psyche and you start to feel exhausted because you're just tired of seeing your black brothers and sisters get killed. You're tired of seeing the protests. You're tired of watching, you know, the war between police and citizens. Like it's exhausting. It's mentally draining, spiritually draining. It's emotionally draining. So please, please, please take mental health breaks. Just sign off, sign out, you know, like, and stop watching the videos. That's the other thing. Like we have this obsession with watching the videos of our people getting killed. And it's like, why do we do that? You know, it's like when you have a toothache and you can't just help but put your tongue into it. Like, you're like, I got a toothache. I'm just going to put my tongue in there anyway. You know, like, we, we're suckers for the punishment. And it's like, we got to stop perpetuating this and watching these videos over and over again. It does something to our psyche, man. It's, it really messes with you. And it's like, we need mental health days. Check on, and check on the kids. Like, check on the kids too. Like, honestly, class of 2020, shout out to them. They strong as hell. I know I will be livid. Like, I did all of this work through high school and college. I can't walk across my stage. I can't go to my prom. I can't, like, you know what I mean? Like, all of these things are missing out on because of the coronavirus and stuff like that. Like, they've been going through it. Like, they 2020 ain't been no joke. You know, we started off with potential World War Three with Iran or whatever. And then we started with the the coronavirus. And, you know, then it was the the riots and the protests. And it's just like, it's a lot. These kids have been through a lot of stuff. So check on your little ones. They're, they're, they need mental health days too. Like everybody just take a day and woosah and just kind of breathe a little bit. Cause it's, everybody needs it. Everybody needs a moment to, to breathe and kind of gather yourself. Like just, you got to stop binging social media for a while. We're at that point now where it's like, I gotta stop. I have to stop. You know, it's like, I think that's what it was. I think I had uh, like just taken in so much social media and media on Saturday that like on Sunday morning when I woke up, I woke up like, I need to protest. Like I just was angry. You know, it's like, I just was like, I had all this pent up emotion. I'm like, I need to like, just go out and scream and just yell at things and, and, and just be angry and just be with people. 
Oh, yeah, and Murder Hornets. Murder Hornets showed up for, like, 15 minutes, and they were like, I was like, damn, now they're going to get killed by Hornets? Like, what? who's playing Jumanji? Like, golly! <laughs> you know, so it's it's been a year. Everybody needs a woosah moment. I know one thing. As soon as this lifts up, I'm going on the ultimate vacation. Like, I swear to goodness, I'm going somewhere in a dead zone. Don't call me. Don't look for me. I will be somewhere with a drink in my hand on a tropical island under a palm tree. And I will be far away from the world because I am exhausted and I'm tired of this. And I'm so ready to just, just, just be done with it. Like, like 2020 sucks. Good night, y'all. That's how I'm ending it. I'm just going to end it with 2020 sucks. It's really terrible. That's all I can say. Six headlights waving in my direction. Come on. 
Five asking me what's in my possession. Yeah, I keep running, jumping the aqua that's fire hydrants and hazard that smoke alarms on the back of us. But mama don't cry for me, ride for me, try for me, live for me, breathe for me, sing for me. Honestly, got in me, I can be more than I gotta be. Stole from me, lied to me, nation hypocrisy, gold on me, driving me wicked. My spirit inspired me like yeah. Open correctional gates in high desert. Yeah. Open our mind as we cast away oppression. Yeah. Open the streets and watch our beliefs. And when they carve my name inside the concrete, I pray it forever. Freedom, freedom, I can't move Freedom, cut me loose Thanks for listening. Tune in 24-7 at WJMSRadio.com.